You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 29, airing on May 24th, 2012. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, I'm glad to be back with you today because we are going to turn the tables today. Oh, I'm excited. And and that is actually uh, good because this table needs some turning. It's been <laughs> bolted to the floor for too long. Uh, rather than than you talking as uh, you interviewing someone else, I'm going to be interviewing you. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and the reason we're doing this, of course, is because we, um, you know, Sandy has been increasingly being asked to speak to a number of organizations here in Southern California and really across the country and, and, and actually Sandy across the world in some cases. Mm. And um, I, I've lost count at how many countries you've been in in the last year, but uh, it's it's more than we can do on one hand, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. It definitely has been challenging, the travel, but it's so rewarding. And I think that there is sometimes a perception that a lot of those things just sort of happen automatically. And, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, once an organization starts to get traction with something or a message that, you know, it, it, it's easy and people just pick up the phone and call. And so um, we were talking about that this week and realizing that um, I think that the center, the Global Center for Women and Justice, which of course is which uh, what sponsors this podcast and what sponsors uh, all the work that Sandy does at through Vanguard University, is, um, is starting to experience more and more success. But um, but what's interesting is, is that we're always working to support and help to reach people who may not be having as much success with getting their message out, Sandy. Right. And so we thought today, rather than um, give you some more information, we are, we are going to continue to do that, of course, but to really spend some time of talking about um, how you've reached out to the community, Sandy, what you've been successful doing in helping other people study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference. And what advice you have for people who are trying to get their message out about how to end human trafficking and find partnerships in their community. So I'm glad that we get to talk today about leading community advocacy. And I uh, I thought I'd ask you a few questions about that. I like that. Let's go for it. All right. Well, before I do jump in and ask you a few questions, uh, just a reminder that we are here to answer your questions as well. It's not just about our questions. It's uh, most importantly about your questions and how we can serve you because the mission of the Global Center for Women and Justice is to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference. Uh, and we can't do that unless we know how we can best inform you. So when you have questions for us, either anything around ending human trafficking or specifically on what we are speaking about today on leading community community advocacy, please reach out to us. There's two best ways to do that. One is to give us a call, and our number is 714-966-6361, or you can always email the center at gcwj at vanguard.edu. 
And if you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can go to our webpage, gcwj.vanguard.edu, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter. Absolutely. And if you're not sure how to do that or uh, not comfortable with subscribing newsletters, just send us an email and we'll put you on the list as well, too, so we can absolutely take care of doing that. So, Sandy, um, you know, I want to spend a few minutes here just looking at not only kind of the, the results that everyone sees. So when you go out and actually speak and partner with an organization, um, you know, people feel like I think a lot of times that that's the beginning, that, that mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. the start of an amazing relationship and that, wow, it's incredible that this all just kind of came together and, you know, serendipity that everyone was in the same place at the same time. And then you got a call. It's like magic. It's like magic. And the reality is, of course, is that in many, if not most situations, um, not only with the center, but really many professional situations is that's the result of a lot of work that you've already put in uh, to actually get to the point where it looks like cool things have happened on their own. Absolutely. So what I'm curious about first is before we even get into when you get to a meeting, when you're trying to influence people, is what are you doing to put an action plan into place and to do long-term planning about what organizations you want to reach out to? Well, I think I look at my um, issues and I figure out, on especially in the area of ending human trafficking, I look for the the place in my community of the three P's, prevention, protection, prosecution, and then the fourth P, partnership that we've already talked about. And I look to see where am I going to be the most effective as a community advocate. And because a great deal of my concern locally is with commercial sexual exploitation of children, Mm -hmm. then I want to be in those venues that have any people involved in providing services to children. That means I want to talk to people involved with the school districts. I want to talk to people in after-school programs. I want to talk to people in our um, child welfare and dependency um, services and in our juvenile justice department, juvenile delinquency. So um, I don't call them up and say, can I come and speak for you? I go to their events. I show up. I shake hands with people. I give them my card. I ask for their card. I try to provide resources for them to become valuable to their community and be seen as a partner, a supporter, a volunteer. If um, Because I'm at a university, if I can send students to serve, uh, there's a community development program in Costa Mesa called MICA. Works in the West End with, um, in a, section of the community that has a lot of underserved children we sent our live to free students out there to do net smarts internet training Mm. provided a service and created an opportunity to be a voice in the community which we've talked about on the show the uh the importance of of that training absolutely absolutely but i didn't get um invited to go and do things like that unless I already had begun to establish those relationships and know who this person is and um, see where I can serve them, not how they can serve me. I think this is a really key point, Sandy, because I think that there's often the perception of many people, uh, both in the business world and the nonprofit world, that the best way to influence is to pick up the phone and start 
trying to get yourself invited to places and to mm-hmm. speak and to and the reality is is that isn't really a very sustainable model. So I think what you said here is really a key point. So I want to I want to revisit this even a little bit more. Um, how do you how do you do that? You you mentioned you sh- you kind of build relationships with people and go to find meetings and existing events. What got you started doing that versus just calling up and and trying to get on agendas? Um, I think that in my own leadership style, relationship is key to that. And I don't ask people to come and speak in my venue unless I know them already. Ah, okay. So there has to be some sort of trusted relationship and there has to be a way of um, evaluating someone's credentials. Why would they be a good advocate? What have they done? Have they studied this? Um, do Are they a practitioner? Do they have experience? Not just, and particularly in the area of human trafficking, it is a hot button um, topic and a new label for a lot of things that are very old. There are people that are working on anti-human trafficking that have been doing it for decades. So when brand new organizations pop up and decide to have a big um, footprint in media, um, they may attract a lot of attention, but they're also beginning to attract the kind of attention that's negative in Mm. that they aren't following best practice for advocacy. Interesting. So you're really looking at things from the other person's perspective, the other person's point Mm. of view and thinking, you know, as someone who also runs an organization, how would I want someone to approach me? How would I want to build trust with somebody? And then you're essentially, um, speaking of turning the tables, you're you're doing that exact same thing yourself when you're going out to form partnerships of really investing in relationships and understanding the organizations and understanding the people involved and making connections with them so that when the opportunity does come, that mm-hmm. you already have a relationship with them. And, and I'm also looking for the people that have influence who can impact change at the level that I want to see change. So for instance, I want to see change in the way that we deal with juveniles who are picked up here in California for juvenile prostitution. Mm. And I think I spoke in an earlier podcast that in Illinois now, there is no way to charge a minor with prostitution. To me, that's really key. So I want to talk to people who have the, the position and the influence in their communities to begin to see the a change in the way we address minors who are being commercially sexually exploited. So first I have to figure out who those people are and then find out how to become um, more um, visible in those communities. And Uh visibility is all about showing up at their events, not just asking them to come to your events. And how do you determine who those people are? Because I can hear our audience wondering right now, well, I don't know who's influential in this particular area. So what do you do to determine that? Okay, so that's a, uh, I'm telling you my deep, dark secrets. It's not really very, it's not rocket science. Okay. I, it's all right. This hasn't been recorded or aired or anything. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I drew um, a circle and um, drew a couple of stick figures in the center um, representing adolescents, 12 to 14. That was where I first started with this. And this is the thinking process. Then I started, it's kind of like a mind mapping thing. Mm, okay. Started 
um, drawing lines out to see who sees those kids. One of the first groups that I identified were school nurses, uh, especially if they mm. have any kind of an abuse situation going on, they're more likely to end up in the school nurse's sure, office. Sure. So I went and visited a school nurse to find out if I was on track. Well, the next thing I know, that school nurse told another school nurse, so I talked to another school nurse. And then those school nurses mentioned it at a district meeting, and then the the um, district called, and I did training for that district. Wow. And then um, after I did training for the district, then the county called, and I did school nurse training for the entire county. That was one radiant um, from that circle. Hmm. Who else impacts those kids? Well, I've got a whole wheel of spokes now. And so I start reaching out to other communities of people that impact those kids. Now we have child welfare coming to our insured justice conference because they've begun to see that this is an area that impacts them as well. Juvenile justice commissioners invited me to come and present to them last week. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of the groups of people that I know have influence when it comes to these children. And I, after you start drawing that picture and figuring out who the people are, you begin to realize you know some of these people. They're part of your community. Mm. They may be at city council meeting. You may want to start going to city council, and they're going to ask, why are you there? And you say, because I really care about our kids in our community, and I want to know what we're doing to protect them from being exploited from the internet exploiters and and neighborhood gangs and pimps. And then you begin to develop that kind of relationship where you can have a voice. And I think that a lot of times when people are thinking these things through, either they tend to err on one of two sides, Sandy, either they have no strategy at all for how to do this. And so they just kind of go out into the world and just talk to anyone who will listen, which doesn't tend to work very well. Yeah. Or I think the other, the on the opposite side is people over strategize and over plan. And I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, if you can do something even more kind of in the in-between zone is it doesn't have to be a, you know, 150 page written out strategy. Um, it can be as simple as putting together a mind map of who is the right people to talk to, who are the people that um, interact with the people you're advocating for, and then to go and start building relationships with those people and to learn from them and find out what the needs are. And that if you can do that consistently, that that's Absolutely. the key. And, and being prepared in any situation to uh, have your elevator speech literally about uh, this issue. Yeah. I, I had an experience last summer um, at a social event Literally in the elevator, uh, as we're getting into the elevator, I find out that um, the uh, people getting in the elevator at the same time, he is a juvenile probation detention supervisor in Las Vegas. Oh, interesting. And uh, so the conversation happens in the elevator. And I'm asking him questions about uh, the situation in Las Vegas because I'm interested sure. and it relates to what I'm doing here. By the time we got off the elevator, we're exchanging cards. We go to the party and look forward um, four months, five months, and I've made a trip to Las Vegas. And then we've put together a summit 
on exactly this issue with judges and prosecutors and victim service representatives from the juvenile justice world. 40 people, practitioners from four counties in one room because I had my elevator speech ready. Right. Well, this is actually the perfect segue to my next question okay. is, what do you do to plant seeds with people? Because you have identified who to talk to and who you want to reach. So how do you how do you plant seeds? How do you get to the point where you've been introduced to someone to the point where maybe you are doing a training for 50 or 60 people? I, I think that one of the uh, key pillars of what we do here at the Global Center for Women and Justice is studying the issues. And because we do study them, we provide reliable, trusted content. If, if there is a link um, in our human trafficking resource page, that link has been checked. I know who those people are. And so when I'm talking to someone and, and the conversation um, goes past a couple of minutes, eventually there is the opportunity to respond to um, or to ask, what is it that you're looking for? What do you need? Maybe I have it. Mm. And if I don't have it, I may be able to find it. Mm. Interesting. So connecting resources, because I may not have what they need, but I may know someone who has what they need. Ah, yeah. And so I, I think this is really key to what you just said is, is really looking at it from the perspective of what do they need? What are their needs? What are they asking for? What kind of events are they holding? How do you support them with their objectives? Because I think that a lot of times we're always, I, I know I often fall into the Sandys. I'm thinking about myself first. Imagine that, mm. you know, we all do this as humans. Uh, what's in it for me, right? So right. I think we need to really train our minds to, I mean, certainly we always want to be conscious of what we're doing in the world and how we're influencing others, but also to really spend time to think about how can I not just go and bark information at people, but how do I fit into what they already need? and what their existing needs are. And it sounds like you've had some really neat opportunities to do that. Mm, I think so. I think so. So when the opportunity does come to partner with another organization and maybe go present or to meet with them, how do you prepare for either that meeting or that presentation, Sandy? Is there a process you go through to to prepare what you're going to say and how you're going to well, say it? Well, we're right back there at the study the issues okay. pillar. Okay. Um, I, I go back over um, the materials. Um, I'm very blessed because I always have students that are working on research and often they find um, new articles and things and refer them to me. So I'm able to stay up to date pretty, pretty well on a lot of the issues that are emerging from um, the issue of ending human trafficking here in the States and globally. So I, I go back and see where I can find something that is most relevant and fits that particular organization. Mm. And um, it, for instance, when I was preparing to speak to the juvenile justice commissioners, um, I, I wanted to bring more than just um, judicial information. Uh, I, I brought material from some of the latest law journals. Um, but even more, I, I always want to create more space for bigger ideas. So my background oh. is, is pediatric nursing. Um, and 
So I brought an article from the pediatric journal that came out in January that talked about new ways of, of framing how we look at the, how trauma influences brain development and why kids as adolescents have um, some maturity issues that would make them more vulnerable. Hmm. That kind of value-added information creates a bigger, bigger um, space for people to begin to look at more innovative ways of addressing and creates new points of entry for partnerships with different people in the community. So we build a bigger team community base for addressing the issue. So it isn't that I go and say these, because sometimes people think advocacy is going and demanding something. And that's not what uh, advocacy is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, is it? Hmm. Advocacy is speaking up for those who need a voice and not offering um, the solution in the way that I say I have the answer, mm-hmm. but offering partnership and that I want to be part of the process in the answer. So I'm wondering if you could put all the pieces together here and share with us maybe a story or a time that you've uh, planned to reach an organization or a group of people and gone through this process of building relationships and listening to them and then had something come out of it as a result. What's, uh, what's, what's an example or a time that that's happened? Oh, well, I, um, I had a student two years ago who was from the inner city in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't ever forget the day she came to class and I could tell something had not, wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, Crystal, how you doing? And she said, oh, one of my friends was killed this weekend. Oh. And oh, I said, do you wanna talk about it? Well, this is the ninth, ninth one in a mm. year. And she lived in a really violent neighborhood. And um, she became absolutely passionate about learning everything she could about human trafficking in the area of commercial sexual exploitation of children. Mm. And she was aware that gangs were selling girls. She was aware, she, she wasn't just aware, she saw this. And so she joined our Live to Free Club and uh, learned how to do the presentations. And then her family moved. (laughs) And I thought, oh, she was going to go into the Long Beach schools and do this. And now, after she left, now what am I going to do with this? Because I have this this heart for Long Beach. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? So I started going to um, a few events, uh, met some of the police officers that that are really concerned about these kids. They were subject matter experts at one of our panels here in Orange County. Mm. And the um, this eventually led to an invitation to go and speak to the End Abuse Coalition of Long Beach. And Dave, yesterday I spoke to that coalition oh, wow. that represents advocates for kids all over the area of Long Beach, mm. in schools, in shelters, in after-school programs, in foster care programs, in legal services for juveniles. And the it's like the floodgates are open now to really 
make a difference. We've received an invitation to go and do NetSmart's training with parents so that they can multiply internet safety protocols um, in the Long Beach area. So that's that's a great event. And it looked like, wow, it all happened yesterday. But it really started um, with actually someone planting seeds in my heart. And then I started looking for ways to uh, create stronger relationships in that community. And you hit obstacles along the way with having lost your student to yeah, um, that was gonna, my that was yeah. my direct link yeah and i think that that's really an important part of the story sandy because um you know anytime we are trying to advocate for anything we are going to hit obstacles and so the question is not if we're going to hit obstacles it's how we respond when we do hit them because inevitably we will so um I think that's a great story of how to mm. not only have a plan, but also to be creative when the plan needs to change sometimes to still be able to reach the larger goal, even if it's not the way you had originally intended that you might get there. Mm. So I'm curious with um, with our time remaining, which is just a couple of minutes, what are, let's, I know we have many people who listen to the show who want to do what you're doing, Sandy, which is to be out even more in the community and in their counties and their organizations and influencing people in a positive way. What would be three pieces of advice based on your experience that you'd have for our listeners that would get people started? I, it's going to sound like this is my whole goal today, but we have to go back to be prepared. If you have not studied the issues, you're going to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. Come to training, um, read, listen to podcasts, watch videos, be prepared so that you will say the right thing and do the right thing mm, and that you'll follow best practices. Um, secondly, be persistent. Be persistent. Keep showing up. Keep going back. You don't need to be annoying. You just need to be persistent, be present. Mm. And your presence eventually communicates your commitment. Mm. And then many, many, many years ago, um, a very gifted leader shared a poem that um, someone in his life, had, a teacher, had given to him. And he said he was going to quote several refrains for us because he had committed it to memory. And um, it has been a guiding force for me. And the poem goes like this. Plot on, plot on, plot on. Plot on, plot on, plot on. And the second verse goes like this. Plot on, plod on, plod on. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other, which means you're not sitting in an office, but you're getting out there and advocacy, community advocacy, is about being prepared, persistent, and being present, plodding on. And we have a wonderful guest with us in two weeks, oh. who is going to be, I think, a really good example of the Sandy in which you've laid yes. the framework for today. Yes. You know, I'm so excited about having Holly Smith. One of my goals is to see our California school teachers trained on identifying and referring 
kids who might be at risk before they've been victimized and, mm. and exploited. Yeah. And Holly's been part of seeing that happen in her own state. So you've got to oh, tune in and okay. listen to her interview. Okay, great. So All that right. is going to be episode number 30. And that episode will be airing on Thursday, June 7th. So if you uh, are listening to this at the end of May or early June 2012, then that won't be up yet, but it will be up shortly. And if you're uh, listening to this anytime after that, then just take a look for episode number 30 here on the iTunes feed or on our website. And of course, as always, you can reach all of our podcasts, uh, all of them we've done previously uh, in two places. Uh, the Probably the easiest way is to go over to iTunes if you're an iTunes user and just do a search for Ending Human Trafficking in the iTunes uh, store and you'll come up with our podcast. You'll see Sandy's name and my name there and you can uh, actually access any of the past episodes that we've had for the show. In addition, they're also all archived on our website for the Global Center for Women and Justice and the address for that is GCWJ dot vanguard dot edu and if you hit the news button on that page you will see a link for the podcast and uh and that way you can access as much information as you'd like and of course as sandy mentioned previously there's a whole lot of other resources available on the website too so it's a great place to go for a lot of information on how we can support you in studying the issues being a voice and making a difference. And speaking of which, while you're on the iTunes page, if you're an iTunes user, uh, one way you can help us to get Sandy's message out and the message of the center out to reach more people is to leave us a review on iTunes. And so if you search for Ending Human Trafficking, uh, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. That'll help us to reach more people. And when people search for human trafficking on iTunes, They'll find us and we'll help them study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference. Sandy is so glad to be with you again today. Thanks so much for your wisdom, as always. Thank you, Dave. It was fun being the one interviewed. Yeah, and we'll see you all again in two weeks Thanks. for episode 30 and welcoming Holly. Take care, everybody. Bye.